a compromise at the Capitol to end the impasse over how to give you tax relief. This, this working with the, the, the speaker on this property tax package has been very positive. We go one-on-one -on -one with the lieutenant governor to dig into the deal, how he's answering critics who say renters and teachers got left out of the plan. Concern on the campaign trail about people from China crossing our southern border. We put the numbers in context. He's one of the most vocal advocates at the state capitol for gun legislation. Now he's aiming for higher office. We have the resources to do great big things. We need to have serious people in Washington that are willing to talk about those things. Why he believes his policies could put him on a path to beat Ted Cruz in the race for U.S. Senate. Produced from the Capitol in Austin and airing statewide, this is the award-winning State of Texas. Hello and thank you for joining us. I'm Josh Hinkle. Progress at the Capitol after a months-long stalemate that led to two special sessions. Lawmakers reached a deal on property tax relief. It's a record $18 billion plan. Voters will have to approve a constitutional amendment to put the plan in place. It includes a measure to raise the homestead exemption to $100,000, up from the current $40,000 exemption. The plan also includes $12 billion to lower school property tax rates by having the state pay part of what school districts normally collect from homeowners and businesses. The compromise plan would cut franchise taxes for small businesses and non-homestead properties worth $5 million or less would get a break on appraised values under a three-year pilot program. The deal has a broad support, but it comes after the state started the year with a $33 billion budget surplus that had some lawmakers raising concerns about whether this plan will be sustainable when it comes to funding schools in times of tougher economic conditions. I vote for this um, in hopes that the state continues, even after this one-time surplus, to pay its fair share with regard to public education so that we don't go back to a past where we allowed um, the local property taxes to increase so that we could fail to meet our obligation at the state level. Teacher pay raises were left out of the compromise plan, but Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick says teachers could still see a pay bump later this year. Capitol correspondent Ryan Chandler spoke with the Lieutenant Governor to get a deeper look inside the deal. Thank you for joining me. After months of anticipation, we now have what you have called the biggest tax cut in world history, $18 billion for Texas homeowners. In doing so, you've accomplished one of your long-term goals, the $100,000 homestead exemption and much more. But of course, this will have to come to the voters for some approval on some of the biggest items in this package. What do the voters need to know before they make that decision, Governor? Hey, thank you, Ryan. Thanks for having me back. So the $100,000 homestead exemption, which uh, the Senate believed in since early March, uh, all 31 senators have voted for it multiple times uh, and will pass it again over to the House. Uh, the voters will go to the polls in November and they'll have a chance to vote on this amendment along with in this amendment will be other things. But the last time that voters had a chance, Ryan, back in 21 to vote to increase the homestead exemption from 25 to 40,000, it passed with 85% of support. So I think this is even bigger this time because we're taking it up from 40,000 to 100,000. No one really has ever done an $18 billion package in the history of the world that I know for property taxes and surely in this country. And there were lots of ideas and it took a while to come up with the right package. And uh, so I'm, uh, we got to where we needed to get. And you when the voters vote this October, 
or rather this November, on the constitutional amendment. It will take effect this year. Between the appraisal caps, the homestead exemption, the, the school district tax rate cuts, it, it seems universally yeah. accepted that this package is a win for homeowners, for business owners, for second homeowners, as well as commercial and, and rental property owners. Yes. Seems like the losers in this deal may be renters and teachers, Governor. Is there any relief coming to them? So, great questions, Ryan. So, first of all, uh, let me say to the, to the folks watching, that $100,000 homestead exemption uh, gives them a twelve dollars to $1,450 on average tax savings every year. That's about $100 or more a month tax-free back to them uh, that they don't have to pay in taxes. Uh, and that's a great transfer of conservative thinking uh, in the Texas uh, Senate and the House. And I appreciate Dave Phelan working with me in the last week, uh, you know, almost every day and night working on these issues together. Now, to your question on about renters, there's no way that we can. The Constitution prohibits us from sending money directly to people. So renters don't own the property. So, you, you know, the, the, none of this helps them directly. However, the landlords who own these apartments, Ryan, big apartments all over the state, um, they're getting a, a tax break. The compression will cut their school taxes up to maybe around 23%. That's significant for them. I believe that they will, many will, pass it on through just the competitive market. And then in the uh, second area, you said renters and teachers. We did put in a teacher pay raise, uh, right. $6,000 for rural teachers in our original bill uh, two weeks ago. The House decided at this time that they wanted to stick on property taxes, so they've decided to take it out. But I know that we're coming back in October, or I believe that we are, uh, to discuss school choice and school funding. And uh, we have $5 billion, and this is important, Ryan. I actually haven't said this to anyone. Um, mm -hmm. I hadn't thought of it uh, with so much going on. But we already have $5 billion set aside in the budget, and part of that is for uh, teacher pay raises. So I believe we'll get to them. Um, uh, you know, in October when we address the other education issues. Would you like to see a revival of the, the proposal the Senate already passed for the two to $6,000 raises or, or something similar? Is that the, is that yes, the idea? Um, yeah, Ryan, back in 2019, um, uh, we put in the Senate, we put $2 billion we set aside for teacher pay raises. Uh, we were looking to increase uh, uh, teachers across the board about $5,000. We gave the school districts uh, the opportunity to, to design their own system. Do they want to reward incentive? Do they want to spend it across the board? We have special programs to try to incentivize teachers um, to get more pay. My wife was a longtime teacher. My daughter-in-law was a teacher. My mother-in-law was a teacher. I actually did my own student teaching. I think teaching is a very noble profession, and it ought to be, they ought to be mm -hmm. paid like a profession and not just a job. And so we've always been supporting teacher pay. It's, it's higher than it's, it's ever been, but we, we need to continue to do it. And I think we do need to, whatever we do, the rural teachers uh, need to get an extra bump because they're just behind, just so they can catch up. And, uh, and, and, and so whatever the house looks, when we get there, this, this working with the, the, the speaker on this property tax package has been very positive, and, and I think we'll work together on that. And hopefully they can pass a school choice bill, and, and uh, it'll be a, a great package just like this property tax package is. With that $12 billion for school districts, your message to them is you can rely on the state of Texas to fulfill that in perpetuity. Yeah, well, on the compression, uh, that's, that part, and I've said this you know, uh, over and over in the last couple of months, the compression uh, is not... Uh, a guarantee like the homestead exemption because 
if, if our sales tax declined in one year, you could always have an offset in any, you know, if, if you have, as, as I said two years ago or four years ago, if you have a black swan event that we never predict, like we had COVID, I believe what we've right. done now, uh, we can afford to continue to do. And by the way, the constitutional amendment on the homestead exemption, that's required. In other words, you, you can't back off from that. Once the people vote for that, that's in the Constitution. We always will have to find the money for that. So some things are ongoing, like a teacher, a teacher pay raise or a property tax cut. Untime, well, other things are one-time things, and then we saved a lot. So I think we've approached this, the House and Senate together. Uh, I think we've approached this, um, our budget writers, uh, which we're heavily involved in in our office, of course, and I am. I think we've, we've done a good job on this, but um, you can always have a little variable. Really good year, maybe a down year, but uh, right. we'll, keep, we'll keep moving forward. Well, Lieutenant Governor Thanks, Patrick, Ryan. these are big yep. issues uh, for, uh, for an unprecedented time. We appreciate you joining us to walk us through it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, great questions, Ryan. I hope, uh, I hope the, the folks uh, uh, heard the answers to some of these questions that other people hadn't asked me, and I hope they have a good insight of where we are and where we're going. Thank Th you. These are the questions that, that people around the state and our viewers especially have, have been having, so I appreciate your answering them. Thank you, Governor. Yes, sir. Thank you. There is more to our interview with the Lieutenant Governor, including his take on the long-term impact of this historic property tax plan. You can see our complete interview online now. Just look for the link in this week's State of Texas story. That's in the Texas politics section of our website. Two longtime lawmakers announced plans to leave the House. How their decision could affect the balance of power at the state capitol. And a Texas senator sets his sights on a U.S. Senate seat. We sit down with Roland Gutierrez, why he says he's taking on a tough campaign to represent you in Washington. A Texas lawmaker plans to leave the Texas House after nearly 30 years of service. Uvalde Democrat Tracy King announced that he will not run for re-election. King chaired the House Natural Resources Committee this past session. He made news with his bill to raise the age to buy AR-15 style semi-automatic rifles from 18 to 21, filed in the wake of the Robb Elementary mass shooting. The legislation failed to pass. King announced his retirement in a news release. He thanked his constituents and praised his staff, saying in part, we served 14 regular sessions and 14 special sessions so far, and no doubt could cruise to another win in 2024, but I'm tired and I want to slow down. King's announcement comes a few days after another long-serving House member said he's leaving the legislature. Corpus Christi Democrat Abel Herrero was first elected in 2004. Herrero made news earlier this year when the House passed his budget amendment that banned public funds from going to private schools. Herrero's district leans Democratic, but King's district could present an opportunity for Republicans to pick up a seat in the Texas House. Data from the Texas Legislative Council shows the redrawn District 80 now favors Republicans. For insight, let's look at support for Donald Trump in the 2020 election in the district. Under the old district lines, Joe Biden won by seven and a half points. But lawmakers redrew the district lines in 2021, and the change helps Republicans. The new lines contain voters who chose Trump in the 2020 election by a more than four-point margin. One of the state's most vocal advocates for gun legislation is aiming for higher office. We have the resources to do great big things. We need to have serious people in Washington that are willing to talk about those things. We go one-on-one -on -one with the state senator who's joining the race for U.S. Senate with the mission to take on Ted Cruz. A campaign claimed that 10,000 people from China have crossed the southern border. But are those numbers correct? We put the claim in context.
There's a new candidate in the race to take on Senator Ted Cruz in next year's election. On Monday, State Senator Roland Gutierrez entered the race. He'll face Dallas Congressman Colin Allred in the March Democratic primary. Gutierrez is a Democrat from San Antonio. His district includes Uvalde. And his campaign video talked about the sorrow, frustration, and hope for change in that community. Where I'm going, I've seen horrors you couldn't imagine. And that's at the end of this drive in a community that has been through unthinkable pain, where I find my strength. Gutierrez pushed for police accountability and tougher gun laws this session. His legislation failed to advance at the Capitol. Capitol correspondent Monica Madden spoke one-on-one -on -one with Gutierrez about why he's joining the race for U.S. Senate and his message to voters. Your launch video talked a lot about frustration. Frustration, namely, that you felt based on the state's response to the Uvalde massacre, frustration with the overall leadership and direction of the state. Why do you think that is a message that will resonate with voters? Well, Uvalde changed my life. I mean, it really did. Um, it changed my worldview and it changed my view of life in general. There's no greater policy issue if you don't have your child. Inflation doesn't matter. The cost of gas doesn't matter. If you don't have your little baby because they were taken in such a horrible way, the rest just doesn't make a difference. And when I saw the failure and I uncovered and kept investigating and had to play investigator, it was really a problem. As I saw that ambulatory services weren't there, law enforcement didn't act for 77 minutes, no communications to speak of. This governor's office had been asked for five years for um, resources to buy better radios in this community. That didn't happen. But the failure is bigger than that. 800 people died in a winter storm. We need a senator that's going to say, look, we're going to tie on to the eastern or western grid so that never happens again. They have worse storms in North Dakota and upstate New York, and they handle it. 800 people don't die. That has happened because of people like Ted Cruz and others that would rather have us focusing on some fuzzy object over here, blaming some people on the margins, immigrants, LGBTQ, you name it, than to have us look at the real problems that we're facing in Texas. And the real problems are right in front of us. And we can do them, we can solve them. We have the resources to do great big things. We need to have serious people in Washington that are willing to talk about those things. During this session, you were by far the most outspoken legislator when it comes to gun restrictions. We've seen at times that has hurt Texas Democrats in a general election. Do you think this time will be different? Well, listen, I own guns. Uh, I'm a believer in the Second Amendment. I don't own any AR-15s. I don't need one. Um, at the end of the day, you know, all I was asking for were common sense gun solutions like raising the age limit. The way that young man walked into a gun shop on three different days, it just reeked of red flags, right? You should have had an extreme risk protective order that someone would have said, this looks strange. Let's go do something. Let's skate these guns for a little bit. Find out what this young man is up to. We do not have extreme risk protective orders. We don't have an age limit. And we need to close the gun show loophole. Today, anybody could go into a gun, a gun show and buy any kind of weapon without even so much as showing a driver's license. That is simply crazy. 66% of Republicans are in favor of the legislation that I'm talking about. I think that I need to work on truly understanding what people are facing because God forbid this happen again. As I told the Lieutenant Governor one day, someday this is gonna to happen to someone you know. It's gonna to happen to someone that Ted Cruz knows. 
So each and every one of these people is going to have to confront this issue that is facing everyday Americans. And we have to do something. We have to do at least the minimum to safeguard our children. First, you'll have to face off another Democrat running in this election. That's Congressman Colin Allred of Dallas. How would you differentiate yourself between um, your opponent to primary voters before they choose who they want to be the Democratic nominee? Yeah, listen, I, I'm sure he's a very nice person, but he's no disrespect to him, but he's not my opponent. My opponent is Ted Cruz. We're going to win the primary and we're going to win the general. We're going to win it because people are going to understand how hard we've worked, how hard I'm willing to work, and my whole life is based on that value. I'll outwork Colin Allred and I'll outwork Ted Cruz, and we'll have a discussion on what is really matter, matters to people. And it's those kitchen table politics. It's how much money you can save if you had a real Medicaid expansion proposition, if you had universal health care even, those are proposals that we need to be talking about and ensuring for Americans. We need to talk about what matters to them. I'm going to do what I need to do. Uh, money doesn't daunt me. I'm sure people will believe in our candidacy and support us. We're going to move forward like I always have in my life and just remain positive and hopeful. And I think that people will follow along. All right, Senator, thanks for sitting down with us. Best of luck. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. We reached out to Colin Allred's campaign to get their response to Gutierrez joining the race. His campaign manager sent a statement saying, Our campaign is laser focused on beating Ted Cruz, and we are happy to welcome anyone who shares that mission into this race. Senator Ted Cruz took a shot at both Democrats in his response to Gutierrez joining the race. A statement from his campaign said, Texans will now get to watch Colin Allred and Roland Gutierrez slug it out for who could be the most radical leftist in the state. The campaign added that Cruz is working to deliver real results for Texans. We showed you just part of Monica's interview with State Senator Gutierrez. You can see the full interview online now, including how the upcoming Senate trial for suspended Attorney General Ken Paxton could affect his campaign. Just look for the link in the State of Texas story in the Texas Politics section of our website. A campaign claim raises questions about who's crossing the border. I think they've identified about 10,000 Chinese nationals coming across uh, the southern border. But are those numbers correct? Up next, we'll put the claim in context. The Texas border is playing a role in the race for president. We've seen Republican candidates come to South Texas to rally supporters and denounce the Biden administration. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is one of those candidates. On his visit to Texas last month, he raised concerns about a growing number of people from China crossing the border. But is that really the case? Our Daniel Marin took a closer look at the claim. As campaign season picks up, we're back with another segment of Campaign Context. It's our new series where we provide you some clarity on some of the messages you're going to be hearing from candidates from all parties. Up next, this message from Florida Governor and GOP presidential candidate Ron DeSantis while he was in Texas. DeSantis was discussing migrants crossing the southern border from countries you might not really expect when he said this, which caught our attention. I think they've identified about 10,000 Chinese nationals coming across uh, the southern border. 
So that figure is something Republican Congressman Mark Green of Tennessee, chair of the House Homeland Security Committee, recently said on a cable news network. Green also said those 10,000 plus Chinese nationals is a massive 300% increase. I did reach out to the congressman's office to see where he got those numbers. Staff pointed me to this Customs and Border Protection data. And when I searched Chinese citizens entering the Southwest border, it shows 10,000 plus single adults from China have entered the border so far this fiscal year. And it does appear to be a sizable increase over 2022. But for some added context, the total number of Chinese migrants detected at the southern border is less than 1% of all migrant encounters this fiscal year. That was Daniel Marine reporting. He'll be working on more campaign context reports in the coming days. You can find our stories online now. Just scan the QR code on your screen. It will take you to our State of Texas page where you can find the story for this week's edition. It'll have a link to the Your Local Election Headquarters section of our website, which is where you'll find our campaign context stories. And you can keep track of the big stories in our state politics with our weekly State of Texas podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, we have a link online now in the Texas politics section of our website. Thank you again for joining us for State of Texas. I'm Josh Hinkle. We'll be back next week to bring you an in-depth look at Texas politics.